What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. Ah, the copperhead snake. It hisses before attacking. But that's not a copperhead. That's the Sullivan's RV freshwater tank overflowing into their black one, which is backing into their vent pipe, making for a very different kind of attack. One that arrives just in time for taco night. It's wild out there. When it gets too wild, Progressive has your RV covered. Quote today at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. The Starlight Lounge presents An Evening with the Progressive Box. Adios, old friend. Yeah, I've got no secrets and no regrets. Well, a lot of regrets, but the point is I've got nothing to hide. Kind of like the way Progressive shows you their competitors' rates. You gotta put it all out there, baby. Excuse me, miss. Does this heart belong to you? Would you like it anyway? Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Comparisons not available in all states or situations. Prices vary based on how you buy. I thought uh, we had some really, really solid individual defensive efforts tonight. Uh, guys like uh, Brandon and and uh, Zoe in particular, but a lot of uh, Kuzma was great. And then the team defense from second quarter on was was really what we've been looking for and, and good to see again. Welcome, everybody, to the Lakers Legacy Podcast, where it's beginning to look a lot like litmus everywhere we zoe. <laughs> Did you follow that, Tommy? I said litmus because, you know, lit is our slogan for some reason. Swap that with Christmas, so you get litmus, and then... Oh, I get it. Okay, I see. You know, we, we got this player named Lonzo on our team. His nickname's Zoe, so I just put that in place of the lyric Go, because they rhyme. So, uh, you got all that, right? <laughs> Where'd you go? Oh, sorry, I was on mute. <laughs> I mean, I, I guess... I was literally talking. I guess that is the response I deserve, actually, so I mean, it's fitting. <laughs> uh, but Tommy, we are in December. How was your uh, Thanksgiving weekend, by the way? Uh, Thanksgiving was good. Um, great to see family always. And uh, wait, why the hell am I talking about Thanksgiving? That was like two weeks ago, right? Yeah, I was gonna say, didn't we do one in between <laughs> Thanksgiving and now? What's happening here? I don't know, man. That's what you get for not planning this out too well. And I don't really even know where I was going with the. Uh, it's beginning to look a lot like litmus, but I just wanted to sing that song. Uh, with that said, good news: the Lakers are fifth in the West at fourteen and Woo! nine. They are two losses out of first place with the uh, Clippers and Nuggets, each with seven losses apiece. Did the Nuggets lose tonight, by the way? Oh, I actually haven't seen the score yet. Let Let me me check this out really quick, everybody. Live update. Live update. Where where are we at? Where are we at? Oh, they won, dude. They beat Toronto by three. gross. Okay, well, so they they still have seven losses. Jokic had a triple-double. Lame. Anyways, but still, the Lakers are in a good position. They've won three straight. Seven and three in their last 10. And if you take out the Orlando Magic, Tommy, they would have won 12 out of their last 13. But alas, that's why it's the NBA and you play the games. Having said that, the Magic are not that bad of a team, actually. They're a playoff team, 500. Maybe they're not in the playoffs at this point, but still, they've been a solid team under Clifford. And yeah, the Lakers outside of that Denver debacle up in the Mile High City have played 
relatively well. And uh, we're going to get into all that tonight, mainly talk about how they've gotten defensive and turned this thing around in spite of their lackluster offense. And we're going to talk more about Kyle Kuzman, how he's individually turned it around and how that's overall helped the team get back into sync and, and back into place here. But quickly, before we delve into anything deeper, you know, the Lakers have won these last three against Indiana back-to-back against the Mavs and Luka Doncic. And then they did what they were supposed to do at home against the Suns. Overall, what are your, what's your general feeling of the Lakers, in spite of the fact that maybe their offense has, hasn't looked too pretty yet? It hasn't all come together on that end. General impressions, uh, the team looks amazing. I mean, in my opinion, I frankly, like, we are among the biggest critics probably of this team. I, critics in the sense of, uh, you know, critics with actually watching the games, not just like hot take media people. But um, we've, you know, been critical about certain things and they've really come out and it seems like they've really responded. Uh, not to our criticism <laughs> specifically, <laughs> but just like, you know, there were there were just clearly things they were doing that were not working and made no sense. And it just feels like, I don't know, maybe we got so used to like years of, just being like, well, this doesn't make sense. I guess we just have to live with this for a year. But the adjustments that we've seen from the coaching staff on the fly during the season alone, um, and really you saw flashes of it last season with this coaching staff. It's like they've shown a good ability to understand what's working and what isn't working. And they do seem to show also a good understanding of analytics because – Although we've done, this is just a general thing about the analytics. It, it seems like a lot of people criticize the Lakers analytics and the way they use analytics and like the thought process. And there's a lot of confusion about who exactly is running the show with analytics on this team. But it seems like whenever there is a trend developing in the analytics that you'll see people on Twitter tweeting about, all of a sudden, you know, a game or two games later, the Lakers have made an adjustment. So mm-hmm. Clearly, they somebody is looking at these things, um, and so yeah, I give them a ton of props for the adjustments. Their defense has been amazing. I mean, we are playing like one of the best. Def- I mean, we literally are playing like one of the best defensive teams in, in the NBA. So, and honestly, if we didn't have like one really bad quarter a game, we would be like historically good defensively right now. Like, we were third in the league in November overall uh defensive efficiency defensive efficiency as a team and we had a couple stinkers in there you mm-hmm. know what i mean like if we, if we didn't have those like one game laps here i guess every every team you know we're not a robot but yeah i, I give them i give them big time props for uh the defensive improvements and and the coaching adjustments now do you buy that argument that when they started off the season it seemed like they focused on ramping up the pace getting LeBron acclimated to that style of play their offense looked a lot cleaner it looked a lot more fluid do you buy that argument that since they started out that way and their defense was so terrible they then rejiggered things again to focus more on the defense and then the offense kind of took a hit in that respect but now they're hoping to kind of even and level it out once more do you think that's what's happening here I don't think that's what's happening. I just think that what we're doing defensively, to be a a good defensive team in the modern NBA, it's very complicated. Okay, beyond, like, effort is just, like, the baseline thing that you need to get, you know, your 10 or 12 guys, however many guys you're going to have in your rotation, to all buy into what you're trying to do and go out there and put out 100% effort on that end. But... The X's and O's, given how teams are running things nowadays and the pace of the league and all of this stuff is, like, not that intuitive. Like, they're, if you watch what they're doing out there, they're not. it's not just like last year's 19-year-old, 20-year-old Lakers who were everything regardless of matchups and regardless of circumstances a switch. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. They're very – if you watch them off the ball, they're – they're doing things in a way to like minimize the effort that they have to give at any individual. They're just being very efficient about it, I guess is what I'm trying to get at. And I think that's complicated and it takes a long time to learn. I think the reason our offense looks so good is purely because we were running at such a fast pace. Right. And so other teams, you know, just getting, you know, warmed up, getting into shape, getting into the swing of things in the season, we're not prepared to match that intensity of pace. Um, if you looked even in the beginning of the year when we were, you know, top five offensive efficiency or whatever, 
our half court efficiency was still like bottom 10 in the, in the league. It's just, we were running so much that it was boosting our offensive numbers. So I don't think they rejig. I really do think from the beginning, they've been stressing defense. I just think that it took a way longer time for that to finally click. And then once that started to click, now it seems like they're slowly introduced. They're slowly starting to pick up the pace again. You're seeing the assist numbers start to creep up. You're seeing us starting to run better plays and plays that make more more, uh, more sense, putting guys in positions to succeed. And it's just like you can see it's, it, you know, people always ask if, if you have casual sports fans, friends, like how do you watch an 82-game season? This is what you watch for, right? You're just seeing these like little incremental improvements and you kind of see everything coming together. And so I, I definitely do think they started defense heavy, although it didn't show it in the beginning. And now they're finally transitioning to offense. So it just really makes you wonder if they can keep up the defense, which so far they have, at least in the last couple of games, that the offense has gotten better. Um, if they can keep up that defense and their offense gets better, like who knows what the limit for this team is. Like the top two seeds in the West currently are Denver and the Clippers. So in a seven-game series, I take LeBron over either of those teams. Sure. Um, so uh, – and some teams that like Houston – continues like you expect them to eventually pick it up, but they continue to falter. I think they just lost tonight as well um, to Minnesota. So, you know, there's an opportunity for this team to elevate into a uh, position that I don't think anybody suspected that we could have reached uh, before the season started. Well, yeah, elevate to that position while still figuring things out is the craziest part. And it can't be understated the difference that Tyson Chandler has made in this stretch, allowing the Lakers to go from 48 minutes of hell to 48 minutes of tall. It's no coincidence that their turnaround defensively has coincided with Tyson Chandler's arrival. Not that we hinge it all on that, but he's like a huge part in all of that. We're going to delve deeper into the defense, get into some of the statistics, and delve into the, the players who have helped turn that around outside of Tyson Chandler in more detail. Uh, but first, before we get into the rest of our show, as usual, please follow us on Twitter at Lakers Legacy Pod. Please also rate interview us on iTunes because the more you rate interview us, that's how many more reverse layup wrist contorting celebrations we'll get from LeBron James and the bench anytime a Lakers player hits a windy, twisty reverse layup. Tommy, you saw that play by Michael Beasley, right? How he hit that nice reverse layup underneath the basket, and then LeBron James and JaVale McGee did a very overdramatic celebration uh, mimicking his wrist. I mean, yeah, it's been amazing. I mean, there's been all these memes going around, like especially with the Wagner stuff too, and him oh, scoring absolutely. his points on the like our our bench is starting, and not our bench, like uh, our our team is starting to get a reputation for guys being on the bench, like having as much fun as guys playing in the games. Like people cheering for their teammates or giving them as much satisfaction as actually contributing on the court themselves. And I think this is the culture, right? We were going for this Warriors like style. Uh, culture and and I think we've clearly achieved it because we put together this ragtag group of crazy guys who nobody expected could have come together like this and everybody thought like okay this person's going to be selfish this person's going to be selfish and everybody is just you know just like laughed in the face of basically all the media and and uh, we've got we've got a really good culture going yeah absolutely work hard play harder and Michael Beasley Rajon Rondo Lance Stevenson JaVale McGee these guys who are supposed to uh, bring some locker room turmoil. It just hasn't happened yet. In fact, it's been the exact opposite. They've been patient. They've been understanding of their roles. And Michael Beasley throughout this situation has just waited for his time. And obviously he's had some he's had some personal issues that him and the team had to go through to get to this point. But it seems like Lance Stevenson is even understanding that maybe it's Michael Beasley's time around. So it's it's a great thing to have this chemistry that's going on with the Lakers right now, and it's it's actually translating to the court, which is, uh, I think, the most encouraging part. Um, yes, yeah, so please rate and review us for more of those uh, fun celebrations from the bench. Uh, speaking of rating and reviews, we haven't done this in a while, Tommy, and uh, I'm going to do something I normally don't do because I leave the impressions up to, leave it to Alan and, of course, you, impressionist extraordinaire. But tonight, we're going to have Mo Wagner do the reading and you know Mo was a was a surprise the last game hitting his first NBA points and then all of a sudden getting 10 points in seven minutes or so and so I thought it was fitting that we'd have Mo Wagner on and uh, just as disclaimer I haven't practiced this at all tonight so we'll see how this goes not saying this is anywhere near close to Mo Wagner but uh Tommy you ready for this okay here we go hey what's what's going on Lakers fans uh it's me Mo Wagner 
you know, Coach Beeline taught me in Michigan that, you know, patience is key when you get oh, to God. the NBA. And, you know, I know it's been a long time for me with my injuries, but last night, you know, I showed it. I came out, I gave my heart, I gave my hustle, hit two threes, 10 points. And, you know, I, I think I'm slowly going to come around. So thanks for being patient, Lakers Nation. Yeah, Mo Wagner all the way. All right. So tonight, you know, we got read to achieve that is the reviewer and the title of this review is a great pod for fans by fans all right so the review says these guys work hard to pump out content sometimes with relevant guests this pod has definitely improved just like i'm improving each game and each time i get on the court with those minutes this pod has definitely improved over the last couple of months all right so that was from read to achieve and uh yeah, thanks again, Lakers fans, for believing in me. And I, I really hope that I can uh, be a big part of this team moving forward because we got the best player on the planet. All right, this is Mo Wagner. Peace. <laughs> All right. Wow. You know, actually, like, parts of it were not bad. Like, the, uh, like you, I think you kind of got the key. He has an interesting cadence in the way he speaks. I mean, he's like an immigrant. Like, he's from Germany originally, right? Yeah. Like he, I'm pretty sure he actually – I know we all know he's German, but I think he actually was, like, born there, or so I thought. I don't know. But, uh, yeah, he's uh, – you got some of the cadence down for sure. I, I don't know about the accent. Maybe you could use a little work, but <laughs> do you want right. Do you want to know what how I manufactured that impression? So I pretty much – you know Tommy Wiseau from The Room? I took yes. some of that. I'm like, oh, hi, Mark. <laughs> Some of that, oh, hi, Mark. And then I just made him try You're and... You're tearing me apart, Lisa. <laughs> You're tearing me apart, Mo. Uh, so I took some of that and just put it into the body of someone who's trying to talk more American. Because Mo Wagner's played college for the last four years, right? So he, some of that has been integrated into him. So it's just that continuing e- evolution. And, you know, pretty soon, I'm, pretty sh- I'm, I'm sure that his accent's just totally going to be gone. But right now, you can still hear hints of it as he talks so that's what was going through in my head as i did that amazing rendition of mo wagner all right with that said yes please rate and review us on itunes we're at 287 we would love to get to 300 by this year's end also if you're in the giving spirit this holiday season and would like to donate to our cause please go to patreon.com slash the lakers legacy podcast you can donate a dollar donate two dollars anything helps Yeah, so the Lakers' turnaround defensively has been honestly quite amazing. You said that they were third in defensive net rating in November. Even taking into account the entire year, the Lakers are seventh overall in defensive net rating. And that's with them, I think, at a certain point. Just, at, so we were like 20. We were, I think, 20, the lowest yeah, I ever saw us go. No, 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 no. Sorry, I was, I was saying 20-something. I, I was going to say the lowest I think I ever saw us go was like 26. I know for sure we were bottom five at some point. It might have been very early, but we were for sure bottom five at some point. Yeah, so it's insane that right now we are overall at seventh in defensive net rating. Our offense has slipped to 14th, but we're still fourth in pace. So I think they can continue to maybe bring that up to around eighth, you know, in offensive rating. And that would be an amazing feat for them to be anywhere hovering around five to eight defensively and then five to eight offensively. I mean, that's all you could ask for. I mean, yeah, it's, if it's rare that a team is, I mean, it's not rare, right? But it's like typically the teams that are top 10 offense and defense are one of the best teams in the NBA. And I think we could be there. And since Tyson Chandler has become a Laker, the Lakers are second in defensive net rating behind only the Oklahoma City Thunder. That's insane. That is insane. Uh, so thank you, Tyson Chandler. Uh, thank you, all of the uh, random Suns bloggers and Toronto Raptors bloggers saying, you guys are in for a rude awakening because Tyson Chandler hasn't been able to play basketball the last two years. <laughs> I don't know what that was. Um, but <laughs> the last two years, Tyson Chandler hasn't had a reason to try and and in fact, it may have rejuvenated him. And we're seeing the dividends of that right now for the Lakers. And I think, you know, that hometown aspect of Tyson Chandler just coming back home to play for, you know, where he grew up and also play for LeBron James is probably what's allowed him to, I wouldn't even say it's like an adrenaline boost, but I actually think he can sustain this for the rest of the season uh, just because JaVale McGee has been uh, as dominant as he has been. And also the other Lakers, including the young core, have been 
picking up the slack defensively altogether. Now you're seeing a more collective effort on that end. But outside of the defensive end, Tommy, what have your thoughts been on Brandon Ingram and Lonzo Ball? We'll get to Kyle Kuzma in a bit. He's a big part of why the Lakers have collectively boosted their defensive efficiency. But first, I think the catalyst to all of this defense outside of the obvious have been Lonzo Ball and Brandon Brandon Ingram. And I think Lonzo Ball has like eight steals in the last two games or so. Nine steals, dude. Nine steals. So oh what are your thoughts gosh. on the effort and intensity they've brought on that end? This is Mike from the Almighty Baller Network. It's nice to have a helping hand, especially when it's tax season, and that hand is attached to a licensed tax professional. With TurboTax Live, you can talk to real CPAs and EAs on demand who can review your return with you before you file and to make sure you get your maximum refund. They can even check your work line by line so you can be confident it's done right. Who knew confidence and peace of mind could be synonymous with taxes? TurboTax Live with CPAs and EAs on demand. See details at TurboTax.com. Let TurboTax Live be your helping hand. Visit TurboTax.com today. Starting with Lonzo Ball, did you want me to comment on all three or should I just comment on Lonzo? Let's just do Lonzo and then the BI as well. Lonzo and BI, okay. Lonzo, and I'll try to keep it short because I love Lonzo and I could talk for an hour about this guy. But okay. <laughs> Lonzo is his intensity on defense. It is like so, it's like having the best of both worlds. Like you get a guy who has absurd court vision on the offensive end, but then also is like literally, I mean, He's basically, in my eyes at this point, it's almost Pat Beverly level lock you up defensively status. Mm. Um, like he is elevated to that level where guys are having a hard time getting around him on the perimeter. He he puts his body in front of you and his instincts, like some of this stuff you can't teach. Like when you see Lonzo sliding his feet on the perimeter you'll often see him put both of his hands down and like almost behind his back. And like, he's doing that to like get his body in front of you and make sure that he doesn't inadvertently reach or get a stupid foul. And just the having like the mental ability to, it's like the game. He is so freaking fast, dude. Like he's so fast. He's so quick and his reflexes and his fat, like I think LeBron had some quote about like his twitch reflexes on defense. It's like some stuff we have not seen from a Lakers perimeter defender. I'm going to say it, dude, since like young Kobe Bryant when he was making like all defensive team. <laughs> like we have not, or I, and I guess like Ariza, but he was more of a wing. We have not had a guard defender like this in so long, like just locking guys down, dude. And his stats, I feel like, don't even really capture the impact that he has. Like, I think he's averaging 1.1 steals, which is, like, laughable to me because he's getting so many deflections. He's, his opponents are not hitting shots against him. And I, what he must be doing, he's just playing, like, a much more concern. I mean, last year he was a really good defender, too. But I feel like this year he's playing more conservatively. He's still using his hands at, like, you know, timely moments here and there to get strips um, and to get like deflect passes and stuff. But he's relying a lot more on his lateral quickness and his like individual lock you up defense than he had, than he did last year. And it's really just like a, a joy to watch him out there. Um, a very, very, very high on Lonzo defensively. Mm. Brandon Ingram, same thing. I was giving this guy so much crap and frankly, he kind of deserved it because he has all the tools to be an elite defender. And this is part of the reason why we were so high on this guy as number two, right? Well, we were like, well, you know, maybe he's not Ben Simmons. Maybe he'll never be like a 30-point-per-game scorer. But he's a really good balance of somebody who could, like, get his own shots and also can lock you up because of his his measurables. He can be one of the be – he can be a two-way player. And by being a two-way player, you're automatically elevating yourself, honestly, into, like, one of the better players in the league, right? Because – you know, Steph Curry, Steph Curry, James Harden's James Harden. But if you play both ends of the floor, you're you you push yourself up into you know, like Jimmy Butler is not as efficient offensively as like Steph Curry. But because he plays so hard on both ends, he is considered one of the best players in the NBA. You know, so I'm not saying Brandon Ingram's gonna get to that point. We don't know, but you it's just so nice to see him exhibit some sort of understanding of this is what I can do right now 
and this is how I'm going to make my mark and contribute to this team. And it really feels, and I give a lot of props to the coaches for uh, for this too, because it feels like at some point, and I can't pinpoint it really, but at some point something clicked with all of our young guys, like individually, and they started to say, it's like it's almost like they started to see, okay, maybe one day I will be this player that I'm imagining myself to be in my mind. But the NBA is about, you know, those skills will come with time. And I can work to continue to develop those types of skills. But now I need to focus on what I need to do. We said uh, what's going to help the team in 2018, 2019 season. We said preseason and in the summer especially, you put LeBron James on a team with a bunch of 20-year-olds who want to defend, and that fool is going to win you a lot of games. You know, we've seen it in the past. Like, I mean, we saw like that those Cleveland teams, LeBron carried some horrendously constructed Cleveland teams. And I know it's the East and blah, 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 this and that. The East had some competitive series in the, or uh, teams for uh, playoff purposes. But if you get LeBron on a team with a bunch of young guys who are willing to defend, it, this theoretically should work. And I think we're seeing that paying off right now. These young guys have so much energy. You know, we heard all see, and we've seen it kind of firsthand. There are some plays, LeBron is like 34 years old or whatever. There are some plays that that dude is going to take off, which is, look, you you have to accept it. He put in his time. He did his thing. If we accepted (laughs) Kobe taking plays off defensively, we have to do the same for LeBron. Sometimes he'll lock you up. Sometimes he'll get uh, steals. Sometimes you can see him out there super, super engaged defensively, and it's honestly beautiful to watch considering how, old he is, he can still move around like that. But most of the time we are going to lean on these young guys and their energy and their athleticism and their stamina as young players to carry us defensively. And Brandon Ingram and Lonzo Ball are both showing that they can be consistent catalysts on that end. I mean, Lonzo is picking up dudes full court. Brandon Ingram is like guarding, you know, JJ Barea in that Dallas game was completely lighting us up. And then it's like, you put Brandon Ingram on him and he can't do anything, you know? So sure. it's, it's like, it, it's really been great to watch. I'm, I'm very, very happy with the defense of both of those guys, huge improvements across the board. Yeah, absolutely. And I think a large part of this has to do with everything you mentioned, but also just the fact that it's such a luxury to have one JaVale McGee there to erase and clean up any defensive mistakes you have. It definitely is. And sometimes I think it's almost, we take it for granted. And sometimes I wish that the, cause I think it absolves a lot of sins on the Lakers players ends because it, does, it would but- seem it's good that they have JaVale McGee and Tyson Chandler. Sometimes though, I, I think it happens so often where JaVale McGee, the guys let their perimeter defender beat them and JaVale McGee is just in there at the last second to save the play. And I'm like, wow, that's awesome. But sometimes I wish he wouldn't do that or I wish that they would learn a little bit more. But having said that, I guess they have had those years of learning what it's like not to have a big like that as recently as last year. So, And my only counter to that is I think because we have JaVale and because uh, he's shown us what he's shown us so far, our offense is kind of designed to allow those things. We're mm-hmm. taking – because you it's impossible to stop everything, right? Um, on, you mean on our defense. defense is designed. Or, sorry, sorry. Our defense yeah. is designed to allow that to happen. You know, sure. It's impossible to stop 100% of another team's offense. What you have to do is get them to do things that you want them to do as a defense. And so what the Lakers are doing is they're aggressively battling on screens on the perimeter. They're bodying up with guys. They're not trying to give up because they know everybody now wants to shoot threes and wants to shoot layups. And nobody wants to play in the mid-range. Okay. So they're, it's like their offense is designed to, or I keep saying offense, their defense is designed to track those guys very, almost overly aggressively on the perimeter, force them to drive because they know they're rarely are going to pull up in the mid range to take those shots. And if they do, it's an inefficient shot. So whatever, you know, and kind of force them to take it to the rim where we have two seven footers who are playing, you know, between the two of them, they're almost playing 48 minutes a game. And they are going to defend the shot. You know, Tyson Chandler is not blocking shots, but he's going to put a body on you. And he is like one of the original inventors of the let me go straight up uh, thing. Verticality. Um, verticality. And uh, thank you. I, it was much more sophisticated than what I said. <laughs> and uh, Go, Going straight up thing. The, go, the going straight up thing of a jigger. And uh, JaVale McGee is swatting. You know, he's just got such good instincts and quick uh, uh, burst reflexes off the floor. So... 
we're it's like we're designed to do that. I I I know what you're saying, and maybe I'm too optimistic, but part of me thinks like let's say we had a Brooke Lopez type guy. I just think our defensive it's possible we could be just as good. Our philosophy might just shift a little bit. Sure. That makes sense. And I think to Tyson Chandler's credit, even if he doesn't block shots, he's surprised me with the way that he's been so active with his hands. You know, it's always like he's tipping balls loose. Um, He's tipping balls for offensive rebounds. So, I mean, everything Tyson Chandler and JaVale McGee have done have been amazing. And I think Tyson Chandler against the Mavericks had a double-double off the bench in 22 minutes. Six for six, 13 points, 12 rebounds. Overall great effort by the bigs and then also the guards and wing defenders following suit because of that. Because these bigs, these 48 minutes of tall have allowed everybody to settle into their rightful place on defense and allowed them to be more aggressive, where in other circumstances, they would have to defend like 90 feet of the court, pretty much, you know? With that said, Tommy, do you know, out of the last three wins, Phoenix, Dallas, and Indiana, how low a percentage do you think we held all three teams to? Like, just a a ballpark estimate. Uh, I think I have a pretty good idea just uh, because I look, at, okay. well, I, I look at the box scores, but I, I mean, honestly, I, I'm pretty sure I recall looking at the last three box scores and being like, wow, every single night I remember being like, wow, we held this team to 40%. And I'm pretty sure that happened like three games in a row. So I want to say 40. Yeah. So good guess because we held Indiana to, oh wait, no, the last two games. Sorry, I, I misspoke. But yes, the last two games we've held Phoenix to 39.8% and Dallas to 39.5%. Oh, nope, sorry, Indiana, we held them to 37%. So so the last three games, we've held all of our opponents to under 40% shooting, which That's is insane. incredible. It's incredible. A large reason why we're winning, obviously. And in the Indiana game, they had the impressive, impressive, one of the best first quarters we've ever seen from them, 38 to 15 first quarter, which they then turned around and gave it back by um, allowing Indiana to score 35, 18. But you know what? That's okay because they held their defensive intensity after that. And it's carried through to the Dallas game and the Phoenix game. Quickly, Tommy, out of those three games, what was the most impressive win to you? I think for me, it was the Dallas game because one, it came out on the second night of a back-to-back. And after a somewhat sluggish effort against Indiana, where I thought we should have blown Indiana out so that we could rest our guys a little earlier, instead we kind of had to fight out uh, the entire game till the end there and get that win. In spite of that, the Lakers ended up not handily beating the the Mavericks. They pulled away later. But just the fact that they held the Mavericks to under 40% and leading into that game, I think Dallas had won around you know, eight out of their last 10 games or whatever. And they're, they're a legitimately good team. I think they beat the Clippers their last game without Luka Doncic. They held Luka Doncic in the Dallas game to, they held him to two, two for 13 shooting. 0 of 5 from three, had three turnovers. I mean, overall it was such an impressive win. And then against the Suns, you know, they, they have this tendency of like starting out slow. But I think with these teams that they just know they're going to win, it's they just got to get over that initial malaise and they eventually did. And they had one of those cliche did what they had to do sort of wins against the Suns and really blew them out it ended up being a that was really like a 35 point win masked in a 24 point win but yeah out of these three games like what was the most impressive to you a hundred percent agree with you Dallas Dallas has been red hot and who do they play they played the Clippers and won last game they played the Clippers and won last game um they have been like super super hot they're extremely well coached Number one. Number two, we historically, I mean, I know in recent years we've been playing a little bit better against them, but the, they're one of the kind of like these Portland teams for us for like a long time. I, didn't they beat us like 13 times in a row or something? And then we finally beat them the last two seasons. I think we've been a lot, a, a little bit better against them. Um, but they're very well coached. They've been playing extremely well. They play very solid defense, they play efficient offense. Luka Doncic, in my opinion, is the best rookie in the NBA by far. Oh, by I know far. like he gets compared to Trey Young, and I just think it's silly because Trey Young is on a team that's won five games in the Eastern Conference. I know he puts up big numbers, but it's like, dude, are you honestly comparing? This guy is averaging seven assists and four turnovers, which, I, look, he's a rookie. It's fine. That's that's still fine. He's Yeah, he's averaging 18 points a game, but he's shooting 37% from the field and, like, 24% from three. I'm not exaggererating this. And I know mm-hmm. it's like, oh, yeah, you, yeah, a lot of big words from a guy who was supporting Lonzo Ball. But it's different circumstances, you know what I mean? And and uh, 
And Lonzo Ball was not compared to Luka Doncic. If I was comparing Lonzo Ball offensively to Luka Doncic last year, I'd be like, yeah, Luka Doncic is way better. Uh, and Luka is shooting like 45%, 38% from three, leading his team in scoring. His team is a playoff team in the Western Conference currently. He is very good. They have a lot of solid... Wes Matthews is playing very well this year. Harrison Barnes is playing very well this year. DeAndre Jordan has added a new element to them that's been absurd. I mean, he had like 16 and 23 against the Clippers or something absurd like that. Um, That's a very, very solid team. And they came in there like they won eight of their last 10. They came in there uh, like with a mission to beat us. And... You know, we played uh, mediocre in stretches, but like you said, we completely took Luka Doncic out of what he likes to... He shot two for 13. That was like one of the worst games he's had since the very beginning of the season. Mm -hmm. Um, We were taking their perimeter shooters out of it. There were, you know, plays where it felt like J.J. Barea was getting whatever he wanted against us. But again, we even adjusted to that. And... We just did such a good job of, like, frustrating them. I mean, you saw it with the technicals and stuff. Um, And taking them out of what they wanted to do. And uh, I was was very, very impressed by how easily we just handled that game. Yeah, agree. On the second night of a back-to-back. Yeah, and the Mavericks are right now 11 and 10. They are a playoff team. I honestly, at this point, would not be surprised if they made the playoffs. I guess you could say that for the entire Western Conference outside of the Suns, but, and and they have Dirk Nowitzki coming in the wings, you know, as a bench player to have Dirk coming off the bench for you. I mean, Luka Doncic has this team rolling right now and they're very well coached, obviously, like they have been all these years with Carlisle, um, but it seems like he is the, he is their chosen one to set everything into uh, its rightful place for the Mavs. Um, With that said, we're going to turn it over to our sponsor. And then to end our show, we're going to talk about Cal Kuzma and just the sort of revival he's had the last few games since we've talked about the Lakers coaches featuring and activating him. Since that's happened, Cal Kuzma has turned it on offensively, but surprise, surprise, he's also turned it on defensively. Dab, 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 dab. Uh, So we will get to that to close our show right after this. This is Mike from the Almighty Baller Network. It's nice to have a helping hand, especially when it's tax season and that hand is attached to a licensed tax professional. With TurboTax Live, you can talk to real CPAs and EAs on demand who can review your return with you before you file and to make sure you get your maximum refund. They can even check your work line by line so you can be confident it's done right. Who knew confidence and peace of mind could be synonymous with taxes? TurboTax Live with CPAs and EAs on demand. See details at TurboTax.com. Let TurboTax Live be your helping hand. Visit TurboTax.com today. All right, Tommy, Kyle Kuzma, the last episode, we talked about how, hey, maybe it's time to give this guy a little more shine, allow him to have the ball a little more in his hand so he gets a feel of that, um, allow him to playmake and initiate a little bit more. And ever since the Lakers have done that, his offense has come around. He's shown off his playmaking ability all of a sudden that we kind of saw glimpses of coming out of college. I don't know if you remember this, but our initial impressions of Kyle Kuzma when we saw his Utah tape, even though we had no idea who this guy was, was this guy looks like Ben Simmons, kind of, you know? Ben Simmons with a jump shot. <laughs> and obviously that's hyperbole, very over-exaggerated reaction, but that's because we saw some playmaking chops in this guy and he looked very fluid running the court and very fluid passing it to other teammates. And he was a selfless sort of player. And that was sort of his role at Utah, right? He wasn't a star. He was just a role player. And and we've conjectured even back then that that's probably why he's learned how to do the little things better. Um, I think in the last year or so, a lot of Lakers fans would argue, this guy just looks like a score. What happened to all the little things? For me, it's all always been this last stretch or so since he's been struggling with his three-point shot and just, again, quote-unquote, doing the little things. It, it's been less that... Kyle Kuzma can't do the little things and this is just who he is now he's just this Jordan Clarkson microwave scorer off the bench and more that his role just hasn't allowed him to be that way and we talked about that the last episode where he was being relegated to solely being an off-ball cutter a catch-and-shoot player but not being allowed to get those post-up opportunities that he's been getting where he's absolutely demolishing dudes He's he's demolishing them, showing off the post moves and footwork that he worked so hard on this offseason. And then on top of that, just also allowing to initiate at the top of the key um, and showing off how whenever he drives into the paint, the defense collapses on him and he's able to just throw these beautiful whip passes to Tyson Chandler, to JaVale McGee. 
And now we see his three-point shot coming around, you know? And then last but not least, obviously, the defense. So, okay, I don't know where you want to where you want to begin or where you want to start, but the the last few games since he's been activated, um, Kyle Kuzma's averaging 18 points, seven rebounds, and four assists. Uh, his three-point shooting is still coming around, sh- still shooting about 30%, but he has shot, he has made three three-pointers in the last two games. And overall on the season, in spite of what you may think about his percentages, he is still the only other Laker besides LeBron James to hit. He's the only other Lakers player besides LeBron James to hit 21 out of to hit at least one three-pointer in the first 21 games of the season out of the total 23. I could have said that better, but you know what I'm saying. So, in spite of how people were freaking out about, out about his jump shot, he's still been the most consistent three-point shooter in terms of just seeing the ball go in the basket from that range uh, throughout the season. So, Tommy, with all that said, what can you contribute Kyle Kuzma's turnaround to? We've we've heard all along how this guy is a sponge. He's very self-aware. There's no doubt that he's been hearing everything that people on Twitter or the critics have been saying about him, how he's just a scorer. He can't play defense. He needs to work on his defense. I've seen people commenting on his Instagram, what about defense, bro? So it must be annoying to him. And he's, he must have taken all of that into account and to heart. But with that said, is there anything else you could contribute Kyle Kuzma's turnaround to outside of what I just mentioned and, and maybe some of the uh, coaching adjustment to get him in the right role as well? I think the last, uh, this last thing you just said right there, coaching adjustment, that was the second thing I was going to say. So let's just, I'll just knock that out. That's definitely a part of it. I give the coaches a lot of props for again, putting him in a position to succeed and be himself and do the things that he's good at. Um, the main thing though, and you know, this is just, again, a function of us. Like we've never lived in our, I'm not speaking to the audience. I'm talking me and you, we've never Mm -hmm. lived through one of these periods where it's like the Lakers fell and that, you know, we weren't conscious Lakers fans per se when, we did the post showtime rebuild where it was like blow it up or everybody retired or, you know, left or got traded or whatever. And then it's like, let's rebuild with the young guy and then the young guys and then draft picks and then Shaq came and then we drafted Kobe and there obviously the rest is history, but we didn't live through that. Right. As Mm -hmm. Lakers fans. I mean, I am 29 years old and the first season I started watching Lakers basketball every game at least was 1996, which was Kobe's, uh, rookie season. So, um, uh, maybe we were a little bit too harsh on these guys because the, I guess from, in my eyes, the big thing that's changed here is just the reps, you know, sophomore Mm -hmm. slump is kind of a real thing, dude. There were people that like a lot of people were super high on certain guys last year and everybody is like, Oh, they're going to be the best player in the NBA now. Donovan Mitchell, yeah, he was scoring points, but he got off to a super inefficient start. Jason Tatum got off to a horrendous start. Yep. Um, I'm looking at Jason Tatum's last five. I know we don't like to talk about Celtics, but I'm looking at Jason Tatum's <laughs> last five games. 17 points a game, 52% shooting, 41% from three. That's what they expected that guy to be, right? But like he did not show anything like that in the in the first, you know, I don't whatever 15 games or so. Well, so, also to your point on Donovan Mitchell, sorry to cut you off, but he's shooting 28% from 3. Do you think their fans are like, "Hey guys, I'm worried about Donovan Mitchell's three-point shot. Exactly. I'm going to give him 10 more games until he has to turn this around." And I'm like, "Exactly. No. I think that the sophomore slump is real because when you and and maybe slump, quote unquote, is the wrong way to phrase it. I think really what it is is Guys, after they've had an entire year of exposure to you, and I'm not saying every guy is watching game tape on every player, whatever. It's just guys, NBA guys are aware of other NBA players. Mm-hmm. And after one full season, people are aware of guys like Jason Tatum and aware of guys like Kyle Kuzma, and they're aware of the things that they can do generally. So, yeah, you get off to such a hot start, which is great as a rookie. But now you have to come back after everyone in the entire NBA has like, whether consciously or subconsciously adapted to you. It's a recalibration. Exactly. So you, it's not like you can just, you know, you've been in the gym working on all these things all summer. It's not like you could just go out there and do it freely like you did last year. You know, there's that, that's one adjustment. Number two adjustment, playing with LeBron, obviously the best players in the NBA, in NBA history have had issues doing that. You know, so that's another adjustment. And, and I think that Kyle Kuzma is rounding into who he's going to, who, who we thought he was going to be. 
And he's doing all of this without even hitting his threes. And he, he is going to start hitting his threes. You know, like he he's taking a good volume. And in the last five games, you know, his percentage is up to 32. And it'll continue to creep up. I, there's This guy should be at least a 35% three-point shooter as a second year. Yep. Um, so at some point he will hit that number. You know, he's just going to go red hot like Kuzmamba status, which is great for us because we're already doing well and he's not hitting his threes. So, so, uh, uh, but the big thing for him too, that's changed has been the defense. Um, I don't know if you wanted to talk about that first or either way. Yeah, no, I think defensively, and, and this is something I mentioned earlier on in the season when we saw him struggle to have to play up a size and play that small ball five, where I made the conjecture. I'm not saying, I'm not hinging everything everything on this, but I do think it plays a factor where Kyle Kuzma and Luke Walton even mentioned it. Kyle Kuzma, as much as Brandon Ingram has had to adjust to all these things and has had to have the biggest role shift, having the ball in his hands and whatnot, Kyle Kuzma, let's not forget, had to start off the season playing centers and and being solely relegated to defending those types of guys. And I, I made the, I conjectured earlier on in the season, well, what if Kyle Kuzma, obviously he probably factored that in, that he'd have to play some small ball five, but not to the extent they had him playing to begin the season, you know? And because of that, what if whatever Kyle Kuzma was working on defensively on the perimeter, guarding other wings and whatnot, kind of got lost in the shuffle of having to adjust his game mentally and physically to having to play the center position, you know? So whatever he he learned or whatever he improved upon, I feel like almost took a back back seat to oh shoot okay i gotta learn how to just be strong and hold my position down here and he struggled having to do that and they ha- they had him play that role for maybe three or five games too long and so w- once they finally got tyson chandler it kind of just locked everybody back into their place none more so than kyle kuzma because it's allowed him to play power forwards and small forwards and even guards which is something he admitted He's always been good at, you know, but I think that got lost in the shuffle having to play up a size. And now we're seeing, you know, the, the biggest thing with Kakuzma defensively was I think he's always had the effort and intensity and want to be a good defender, right? But he was lacking in technique. Now that he's been able to kind of just play wings, I think the technique has finally followed suit with just how intense he is out there and the effort level. I think his effort level and intensity have definitely risen over the last few games and he's probably heard all of the criticism. So that definitely plays a part into all of that. But now I feel like the technique is also rounding into form along with his intensity. And now we're seeing that the highlight defensive plays that he had at the beginning of the season, you know, the crazy blocks and steals and all that now are coming in concert with just great lateral movements and contesting every shot. I mean, he pretty much held, he wasn't the sole guy on Luka Doncic, but he was a big part of holding Luka Doncic to two for 13 shooting, you know? Um, So he's done a great job on these perimeter guards and wings. And overall, I just think with him getting a heightened role on offense, that has also boosted him defensively. And now we're seeing him fire on all cylinders. Uh, with regards to his game because you're seeing the playmaking you're seeing the three-point shot come around and now you're seeing him he's rebounding the ball well too all of a sudden you know I mean everything is just coming together for this guy so yeah defensively what are your thoughts on Kakuzma? I'm frankly shocked okay and I haven't been looking at before today I had not looked at any of the advanced stats uh, or any of that so I had no idea what that was saying all I could tell you is that when I was watching these games just purely on the eye test, it felt like this guy was playing way better. I mean, when we were in the first five to 10 games of the season, it was like a clown show out there watching. They was like, what is he doing? And we would comment constantly like, I don't know, like Kuzma might be a better fit with LeBron and a better player, maybe even overall or offensively than Ingram. But maybe we have to play Kuzma off the bench because... Ingram is just way too, uh, or sorry, Kuzma is way, way too bad defensively. And we can't have Kuzma and LeBron as our two forwards out there. And neither of them are playing defense. Like this is just not going to work. And going from that mindset into holy crap, Kuzma is like one is like suddenly a, one of our better defenders. Like he, <laughs> he's not, again, it's like Lonzo. Th- these guys have bought into just playing solid, fundamentally sound defense and buying into the system as opposed to 
hunting stats. Um, and I'm not that they were doing that before, but just like the, it's like something has clicked in all of them and, and they've just been so efficient on that end. If, if I'm sure a lot of people follow, uh, Pete Zayas, Laker film room on Twitter, he was tweeting a bunch of stuff he's putting together, I think a video or something uh, to talk about Kuzma's defense recently. And he said, yeah, it's six games and maybe, you know, a guy, you could say a guy gets quote unquote hot in a six game stretch, uh, even on defense. Um, but he has never seen a guy make a complete 180 like this. I mean, it was it was to the point where it was like, wow, we how are we going to mask? Th- how are we going to hide this guy? I mean, we couldn't keep him on the floor at the end of games, if you recall. Um, and it, it went from that to this guy is legitimately <laughs> like he is playing like one of the best wing defenders in the NBA. I, again, not to say that he is. It's been six games, but he is playing like that, and I think that is just so insane. Um, that he's made that kind of switch. And again, it's just, I think it's reps. You know, you can talk about all summer, I'm doing this to get better. I'm doing this, that to get better. I'm doing this to get better. But until you get into the games um, and until you start getting those reps, it's all theoretical. You can read a thousand books about how to play basketball, but until you get in the games and get the reps, it's relatively meaningless. And so, you know, Kuzma got off to a start, and although we heard all about how he's in great shape and he's been working on defense and all this and that, we just didn't see that in the beginning. And at some point, something clicked. And, you know, we've heard a lot about how into the film these guys are and all this and that. And it feels like Kuzma watched himself on film and was like, wow, I have so – it's like – he was over anticipating early in the season and was so jumpy and on the edge of his feet at all times. And it's like, now he just channeled that into, I, instead of going for the home run highlight play every single time, I have all this athleticism that I've gained. I'm just going to stay in front of my guy and contest Mm -hmm. the shot. Yep. Um, and that's what he's done. And he's, he's been so amazing defensively. I am shocked. I mean, that is the, 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 that is the biggest change or the biggest surprise for me from this season, Lonzo is playing about the way I thought he would play. Brandon Ingram is playing about the way I thought he would play. I mean, maybe a little bit better. Kyle Kuzma is playing completely insane on defense right now. And again, six games, we'll see how it continues. You know, it's really been this, I don't know six games exactly. It's really been this last stretch of games um, over the last few weeks. So let's see how that continues to develop, but he's amazing defensively right now. Yeah, and right now we have two, three wings at all times flanking LeBron James and giving him the energy to also play defense, and it is a beautiful sight to watch. Just if if Kyle Kuzma can become a consistently solid defender, that changes the entire projection of this team and potential of this team just in this one year. And so I would like to just end this show talking about Kyle Kuzma's place as part of the young core because I don't know if you felt this way, but I just feel like at least on Lakers Twitter, that if for some reason you viewed Kyle Kuzma highly, that people saw you as a quote-unquote casual because you weren't focused on the defensive end or something like that, you know? And because you weren't taking into account Kyle Kuzma's age, he's older than all the other guys, 23 years old, that if for some reason you thought Kyle Kuzma may be the best player out of the young core, you were in fact insane. I just want to get your thoughts on that. And, you know, we're not new to this rodeo in terms of analyzing and assessing young prospects and taking into account, well, this guy's older, this guy's younger, so this guy has more potential and whatnot. I frankly just don't think it's that crazy, especially if Kyle Kuzma continues this and just becomes a solid defender just because of how versatile an offensive threat he is. I don't think it's insane to think that Kyle Kuzma may be the be- the best player out of the young core. I wouldn't go far as to say that definitive, definitive, definitively right now, I just don't think it's crazy to to think that way at the end of the day. And yes, Kyle Kuzma's 23, but Donovan Mitchell's 22. Are we going to say, yeah, Donovan Mitchell's 22, but I think it's crazy if you think that he's better than Brandon Ingram because he can't play defense. I just think there's been sort of this uh, too much hipster mentality going on with the Lakers. I think this season, an overreactionary takes to how Kyle Kuzma has struggled, that there's been a sort of double standard placed on him that I don't think has 
funneled through to the rest of our guys just because one, they're younger prospects, they were picked higher, et cetera, et cetera. So that even when people were freaking about Kyle Kuzma and him shooting below 30%, I'm just like, wait, why are we freaking out? He's not missing air. He's not, when he misses, they're not air balls or they're not to the left or to the right. They're short and long, like a good shooter should be, you know, that's going to come around. And like I mentioned, he's still the only Laker besides LeBron to hit at least one three in the first 21 out of 23 games. And people just weren't taking that into account and just saying, oh, he didn't shoot well in Utah. And now I'm really concerned about his jump shot. Whereas I'm looking at Lonzo Ball and I'm like, is anybody concerned that Lonzo Ball may just not be a three-point shooter, but that's all he can do? Or Brandon Ingram, he's just not a three-point shooter because he doesn't even want to take them. So I was just sort of confused by the mass hysteria surrounding Kyle Kuzma and people just saying things like, you are insane if you think that Kyle Kuzma could be the best out of this young core. What are your thoughts on that? And um, also just your your general thought on his upside and, and ceiling and how, how we, how we assess these players, because I think we've even fallen prey to if this guy's older then his ceiling is probably capped under. Okay. The criticism is going to come regardless. You know what I mean? It's like if it, people have these, uh, you know, people fall in love with certain prospects and they romanticize certain attributes. And when you don't exhibit those, when you're 20 years old, you know, it's like we nitpick, right? So it's like Brandon Ingram, every, it's like every, he just became like a media darling, right? Like he's quiet. He's, he's from a small town. He seems like he works hard. So, and he's got really long arms, which is in vogue right now. So like, uh, (laughs) so everybody's like, Brandon Ingram's the best. The Lakers can't move him. And it's not that I disagree with that. It's just that you ignore things like this guy who's come in, who's shown nothing but a willingness to work as hard as he possibly can, and um, has improved in every facet of his game since college and even since he got into the NBA. Um, and, and so to say that his upside is capped, I feel like is a little absurd. People develop at different rates. Uh, Victor Oladipo went to college for at least, I think, two or maybe even three years. But now, maybe maybe it was just two. But anyway, he went to college for more than one year. Um, he did nothing on multiple on more than one team for his like first four years of his career. We thought he was all- the next Jordan Clarkson. Yeah, right, and then and then he became like one of the best players in the NBA, or maybe not one of the. That's maybe that's exaggerating, but he became an, an all a fringe all star type player. Um. Guys hit their peaks. Tyreek Evans came in and was like the best player in the NBA. You know, he was like an amazing rookie and then kind of tapered off. And then now he's kind of getting back there. But he's had like a – based on how his rookie season went, his career did not go based on how good that rookie season was, right? So guys guys, uh, come in and out at different times and nothing about Kuzma's work ethic or anything suggests that he will be anything but an amazing player who continues to get better. And the fact that he's 23 is relatively meaningless to me because it's all about basketball upside. Kyle Kuzma was not playing the way that he is playing now his entire life up to the point that we drafted him. In Utah, he was a big man. Yeah, he could handle the ball. He could take some perimeter shots. um, But he was a big man at Utah. And to his credit, although he must have known that he had all these other skills, he did what the coach wanted him to do. Um, And... Because of that, I feel like he still has so much upside because he's just starting to tap into these other things that he does well. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I don't buy that argument. The criticisms of him, it's going to happen until recently, to be quite frank. I mean, he wasn't playing amazing. He wasn't playing horrible defense, but he wasn't playing a ama- yeah, very great defense. Um, so... You know, things like that will uh, give people a little uh, room to criticize, but people get – guys get better at things. You know, you don't come into the NBA, oh, he's a bad defender, he's going to be a bad defender. Clay Thompson was, like, regarded in his his scouting report. Same thing with Lonzo Ball, really. Like, both of these guys were like, oh, they're not going to be able to defend at the next level, ever. And then they're like two of the best defenders of their positions, respectively. Now, you know, and it's like so stuff like this happens, and guys just, but people are so like they have the these ideas that like, oh, you know, this guy's too good. I have to think of a flaw that he has and focus on that. It's like nobody picks. You mentioned Lonzo's shooting. Nobody picks on Lonzo's shooting because it's like there's many things about his offensive game that need improvement. 
Whereas, like, with Kuzma, he's so good at so many things. Oh, well, he doesn't play defense, so, you know, that's his, his red mark. So I think that's how we kind of get into that. Well, Kuzma was shooting 47% in spite of the fact that he was shooting 28% from three. And I'm just like, wait, how come you guys have so much hope that Lonzo Ball will become a 40% three-point shooter? And you're worried that Kyle Kuzma is shooting 20, 28% from three? Just look at the fact that he's shooting 47% in spite of that, you know? So, And I think to your point, just because he's two years older than Brandon Ingram, that does not mean that he can't learn at the same rate as Brandon Ingram or can't learn even faster. Because his jump from college to even the NBA draft combine, where he had an entire offseason to work on his jump shot and become like an elite three-point shooter, is insane. Who's to say that doesn't happen at the next level as he continues to begin to unlock his the rest of his game and as... LeBron James enters into his life and unlocks more things, you know? So I, I, for me, I'm just very impressed by Kyle, Kyle Kuzma. I understand the concerns. I, I get the fact that he hasn't shown it long enough, which is why people are saying, are probably reverting back to his college days and saying, look, the sample size that we do have say that Kyle Kuzma may not be that good of a three-point shooter. And for me, it's just like, what if he's also just a really fast learner who's hit a slump? Kyle Kuzma, just because he's 23, is not a case of, He's closer to his ceiling than Brandon Ingram and Lonzo Ball. I don't think we can definitively say that, even though maybe history says that that's probably more the case than not. Right now, it's fair game for all of these guys, right? And if we're looking at the grand scheme of things, Kyle Kuzma, Josh Hart, cheaper contract. We won't get into the Anthony Davis stuff yet, who might get moved for a superstar and and all that stuff. But at the end of the day, be encouraged that Brandon Ingram is settling down not hijacking the offense and whatnot and just being as solid as ever on defense, that Lonzo Ball is finding energy even when his shot is not going in. And Kyle Kuzma is just the Lakers' best all-around player outside of LeBron James right now. So we'll see how this team continues to grow and blossom and all that stuff. Tommy, lastly, your thoughts on the Michael Beasley show and Mo Wagner maybe getting minutes down the line here. Michael Beasley has been flat out amazing. I mean, we knew this guy could play, right? Like we saw his, his, uh, cause we were very bored this summer. We saw, uh, a lot of clips of him and it wasn't just like, Oh, you were on the Knicks big deal. He was doing some things. Um, and, and I think we're starting to see that now. It's like, uh, when we had Pete on, on some, on a, uh, one of the pods we did over the summer, he said the Lakers have constructed a, which I completely agreed with. The Lakers have constructed a roster with a lot of finishers, sorry, a lot of creators. And Michael Beasley fills the role, the role of finisher. Our second unit was struggling to get consistent offense. It was essentially like, you know, uh, we have to hope this is one of the, those one-off games where KCP is hot from outside because if he's not, nobody else was consistently scoring. Um, and I just feel like uh, Michael Beasley, as he continues to crack into the rotation, is going to fill a huge void for us because that guy can score, man. I mean, the the last game against Phoenix, yeah, he's not going to do that for you every night, but he can put up points, you know? And if you think about a bench guy who's going to be playing behind LeBron for maybe, I don't know, 15, at most 15 minutes a game, 14, you know, probably even less than that once like uh, Rondo comes back. Um, and our rotation shift a little bit. Um, he can put up like six, eight points in like 10 minutes. You know what I mean? Again, not to say he'll do that consistently, but like that is a very valuable type of player to have. And that dude is engaged offense, uh, defensively. He is actually a surprisingly good playmaker out of the mid post and just, yeah. yeah, out of like with his back to the basket or when he, Catches and faces from the mid post. Um, surprisingly a good playmaker for himself and for others. And I'm like very pleased with him. I, it's a bummer because Lance was playing so well too, but, but like, honestly, I'm happy with the, the way that we look with bees as well. Sure. Do you know who he reminds me of? He reminds me of the power forward version of D'Angelo Russell, just because he's so lax with it, but he's just able to score without, that much effort, which at times makes you question whether he's even trying, I think, which is a, a knock that D'Angelo Ru- Russell consistently got. It's, he's just so talented that he can get these buckets and it looks like he's half asleep. So, I mean, yeah, I'm glad Michael Beasley's now part of the rotation and he just adds to that collection of guys, those misfit guys that the Lakers signed in the offseason that people said, why are they doing this? And so far, you can just go down the list and 
tick off like this guy's contributed this guy's contributed this guy's contributed are they going to contribute like 82 games out of the season no but in spurts this is kind of what you need in the course of an entire regular season right guys to step up at all these random times and the lakers mud unit is showing that so really glad and obviously running out of time here but mo wagner 10 points in like seven minutes got his two two three pointers off pick and pops to hit to go down i mean if he starts doing that then you know we've been talking about how brandon ingram misses brooke lopez well there you go there's your answer to that and uh you know, Coach Beeline taught me that, you know, I just got to be patient and wait for my time. And, you know, it's here and I'm going to hit my threes. Oh, hi, Mark. All right. <laughs> That's it. The Lakers play the Spurs back to back this week. There's some, um, they're due for a revenge game here or there. If they split, that's fine, but let's just get the one at home. Uh, with that said, thank you guys for listening. Please follow us on Twitter at Lakers Legacy Pod. Please also rate and review us on iTunes because the more you rate and review us, Tommy, that's how many more clips of JaVale and Tyson Chandler leaping off the bench to cheer for Mo Wagner will get. There you go. And that means Mo Wagner's getting time. Uh, all right. We'll catch you guys later. Tommy. Later. Peace. This is what Flo from Progressive sounds like in one of our many hilarious commercials. Hi, did you know that you can get a quote on your motorcycle insurance in under three minutes at Progressive.com? And did you know that saying hi makes even bad news sound good? Hi, you have high cholesterol. Hi, you're fine. And this is what that same commercial sounds like on your motorcycle. Hi, even our commercials sound better on a bike. And with basic policy starting at $75 a year, Progressive helps keep you on yours. Quote today at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates annual premium for basic liability policy not available in all states.